Hello, and welcome to this uh, sneak preview of our patron-exclusive episode where we discuss Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. It is, of course, a companion piece to our last free episode where we discussed his latest movie, Licorice Pizza. If you want to hear the entire episode, hear all of our thoughts uh, on the movie, please check us out on patreon.com slash don'tmakeascene. And for just $3 a month, not only do you get to hear that episode, you get new exclusive episodes every week, you get uh, new commentary tracks every month, as well as early access to some of the free episodes, you also get early access to my other podcast, The Madness in the Method, and you also help us in our... Uh, independent podcasting endeavors. So please check us out there. Don't be afraid to support. And now let's get on with the show. Thank you. Good night. Maybe back then as well. We don't know. Yeah, maybe he's too dedicated. <laughs> Speaking of uh, moving on from the acting, now that we've talked about it for an hour almost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is, however, I think, because usually... Uh, Back it up. I didn't finish my sentence before starting another one. The music seems to be very telling. Because the, mu- yes. the movie starts with like horror movie music. Yes. That sound when you see the mountains. I think that's, at least that's how I interpret it. Telling of Daniel's point of view. Like, this well, is a Oh, bad yes, definitely. Because like, the, the music matches his, his internal moods. Not what he's showing always. But yeah. definitely what he's feeling. Yeah. Yeah, specifically um, when you get towards uh, towards the middle and the end, like when he starts to realize that this Henry guy isn't really his half brother, oh, probably. Yeah, yeah that yeah, yeah. menacing just noise. Yeah, and the just same thing when he's when he's running for for H W and running back with H W to the to the uh, the hut or whatever. Oh yeah, um, and there's just this cacophony of noise like. Like yeah. hitting things because you know he's he's panicked, he's nervous. Yeah, it's his brain going wild, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, also matching then later when HW tries to hear his own voice or hear hear noises like yeah, your snapping sound or, or hitting tables or whatever. Like, eh, it's 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 foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, the music is so good. It it's it's a bit a different. Bit, yes, and it's a Maybe bit overwhelming at times. I don't know if I think that. What what I think it sticks out because you're thinking this is kind of a period piece movie. So you're thinking it should just be, you know, the regular, you know, orchestral music. But here, I mean it is orchestral it's, music. It's but almost it's, it's sci-fi. Different. Yeah, it's it's a bit like menacing. It's um, like what they put in space movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's it's so well done and it's it sticks out because it is different. Um, oh yeah, it, no, no, it's and it's how great. it and how what it matches, uh, uh, yeah, the mood and the 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 characters. It definitely portrays what it's supposed to portray. It's not one of those scores where it's just supposed to, in the background, sort of yeah, tell you back, what to it, feel. Yeah, it has it's, a purpose. It's a character. Yes, yes. It is um, literally the sound of Daniel's brain. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, and it's also. But it's a bit overwhelming, personally, because at uh, points, sure. like, I understand that it's loud because this is what he's lit- this is what he's hearing, this is what's going on in his head, and it's loud in your head when you go through something like that. Yeah. But it's it's deafening almost to to watch it. Yeah, but I mean, unlike a lot of 
uh, soundtracks. Because when you hear it in the movie, even when it's a good soundtrack in the movie, you're like, man, I'm going to listen to this so much when I get home. But then when you listen to it when you get home, most of it is just in the oh, background. Yeah, because most of the music is in noises. the background. And then you have some papa theme parts that you, oh, they're yeah. good. But it's something about a soundtrack where you can actually listen to all of it. And this is one of those. Like, all of it is, like, it's music. It's yeah. not just background noise. It's musical pieces. It's all yeah, literally And I, I, I like that. Another guy who does that, because this, this, the composer is Johnny Greenwood, who I'm pretty sure he's like a, he plays guitar or something in, um, uh, fuck. Yeah, he's from a band, it? right? Yeah, he has a band. With Tom York, the creep, you know, I'm a creep. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, uh, shit. I don't remember. Not the cure. Fuck. Oh, whatever. You know the band. Yeah. Uh, hold on. I gotta look I it up. I just can't creep. think of it. Creep song. Radiohead? <laughs> Radiohead, yes. Radiohead, Radiohead. <laughs> so, I think uh, that it, it gives him like a... Um, he, he, he It's a different makes, point of view. Exactly. He makes music as music you want to listen to. So he's, he's not just making background noise. He's making music you can actually listen to. Uh, nothing wrong with making it more... He writes songs, uh, not score. Exactly. Nothing wrong with a great original score. No, no. There's like, amazing score as well. Yeah, exactly. But as, as much as I love all, almost all of, of John Williams' scores to... Jurassic Park or Harry Potter or oh, Star yes. Wars or whatever he makes. I never listen to them unless it's in the movie. This, however, I have listened to. There are a few movies that I would like. I'll listen to that soundtrack, sure. Yes, there are. Um, well, Dark again, Knight Rises kind of... is actually one of them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Because it's very, but it's very striking. That's why. It's very striking, yes. Same thing with like the first Pirates of the Caribbean, because it's oh, yes. so fucking in your face all the time. What's in that good composer's name? Um, I keep forgetting. It's credited to Klaus Badelt, but from what I understand, it's it's mainly Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Hans Zimmer. It. That's the one I yeah, was thinking of. Because they collaborated, and at some point, Klaus Badelt had to leave. So it's yeah. basically Hans Zimmer's score, but it was credited to him. Or yeah. something like that. Because I know he took over for the other movies. Or at least the two other in the first trilogy, so to speak. Um, yeah, in the original movies. Yeah, in the, the good ones. Uh, another guy, <coughs> just quickly talking about soundtrack. Another guy who, um, maybe not all of his stuff, because I haven't listened to all of it. But specifically... Um, his soundtrack for the King Arthur movie that came out in 2017. Daniel Pemberton is another like composer who makes like good good music that you can actually listen to outside of the movie because it's different. It sticks out, but it feels like like you said, like it's a different. It's another character it's, in the movie. Yeah, it's not just ambiance in the background. It's, no, yeah, it's actually there. It's part it of telling pa- the story. Yeah. yeah, it takes place. But what's also important to to then differentiate is that it, the the because we said like yeah it's 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 mirroring like the mood of the characters and whatever, but it's never like emotionally manipulative. It's not telling you no no, no. here's where you cry, here's where you laugh. No no no. It's just it's just enhancing what the actor is already showing us. Exactly. Because you so, can tell the the 
the brain working inside of Daniel's head when he's like, this dude is fucking me over. This isn't my brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the music is just enhancing that, like exactly. making us like, okay, he's going to fucking do something soon because you can you can hear his thoughts, basically. Yeah. And that's 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 the difference between like enhancing emotion and being emotionally manipulative. Yeah. Which this never is, which makes it so fucking good. Yeah. And pairing that then with the fantastic visuals. Oh my god, yes. It is insane. Holy shit. Um, I mean he's he's first of all, I mean already from watching Licorice Pizza, I know that he gets he does amazing like Camera work, not camera work. You know what I mean. Yeah, he, he has direct, the visuals, the photography, director, director, <clears throat> yeah, photography. perfectly. Yeah. yeah, the wide shots, so you get all the details while still having the focus on one person just sitting still amidst the all the chaos when mm-hmm. the <clears throat> yeah when, when the they're oil about to explodes. blow the the yeah exactly, and you have him in the foreground and the guys yeah, with the dynamites. Jesus oh, Christ, it's and amazing. Then, like, the choices of having someone pointed it out, and as I watch them point it out, I was like, yeah, that's weird, but it, it works, and it makes sense, sort of. When HW comes back, yeah. normally an encounter like that would be in a close-up. You'd see the faces and the emotions, but because it isn't that emotional, really, no, you yeah, see it from, like, super afar. Exactly, because it's it's awkward. Like, he's, of course, yeah. happy that he's back, but it's also like, oh, here's that kid I left behind. And Sorry. HW's like, oh, daddy's back, but also, yeah, this is the guy Fuck that you, left bro. me on the train. Like, it's awkward. They um, but you know as the scene moves on, they move you slightly get a bit closer, closer to the yeah. camera, and then you get the whole like altercation when he's like hitting him, and he's like, "Yes, yeah. I know, I know, no, I'm sorry." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just and that's just, where we get close. Just the, <sighs> the the audacity to say like, "No, I'm not going to shoot any close-ups for this. I'm just going to do one long take." If they move <laughs> yeah. across to the vista, <laughs> yeah. like, "Whoa!" and have it work. Yes. Oh my god! But not, but also. Just in general, like how most most scenes in the movie starts on a close up, um, like you see yes. his face in the beginning, or specifically, you know, when they're about to, uh, so to speak, christen the oil first oil uh, drill. Yeah. And you see his hand on the railing, but then it moves down. And you, they open up and you see the whole crowd and him like talking to them. Yeah. A lot of scenes start on a close up and then move out to be like a a, um, I think a wide a, shot, a wide shot or medium shot. Yeah. Um, and there's this, like, instead of, like, cutting back and forth between the different, like, shots, there's all, they're all in long, long takes, um, which, first of all, in, on a technical level, it's just more work, but it makes oh, yes. it feel more, like, immersive, because yeah. you have, when you, when you set up, like, first you're gonna stand over here, and then you're gonna go over here, and it's called blocking, you block a scene. Yeah. I'm not, maybe we've talked about it, I don't know. Um... And usually you cut between several cameras so you can, like, if there's mistakes in, 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 in blocking or if you want to, like, oh, I want to use a different take, you know. But here, they do it all in one takes and have several blockings for characters in the same scene. Um, first, Like I said, first of all, a lot more work to make that work. But yeah. also, the fact that we don't cut so much uh, makes it so much more immersive. Like, you feel like you're there because it's not a camera that's cutting back and forth. No, you're just standing in the crowd. It builds up the environment more naturally because you would probably, you you focus on the person talking and then you see the the surrounding whatever. Yeah, 
and even when you have just people like sitting down and they do a, you know uh, back and uh, back and forth you know just face other face face other face yeah. they sometimes like hold for long periods of time on the faces and just shows their reaction to what the person behind the camera so to speak is saying yeah um there's so many long super close-ups of of everyone in the movie really yeah but then he also has these long wide shots of the environment of showing absolutely nothing really yeah yeah, showing the face of the environment the same it's the same it's like a close-up of the of the environment the barren desert basically yeah which just like a lot of the other we talked about the character and everything is very complex because it's one one point it's very beautiful. Oh yes, but it's also like it's a arid it's fucking desert. <laughs> dead. Yeah, the only thing you can get out of it is by literally like sucking the blood out of the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. It's complex. Everything there are layers to everything in this movie. And then finally, let's let's wrap it up on that but because we've been talking for over an hour now. Let's talk about the director who actually put all of this together, Paul Thomas Anderson. I need First, to see more of his work. Yes, uh, to be able to properly start by, appreciate it. <laughs> I want to start by asking that because you had had you seen any of the others' movies? I don't think I've seen any of them properly. I've probably no. seen like You've bits like, and pieces. Sure, yeah, but then because because I think I think Licorice Pizza is more. Indicative of his style, really, like a drama comedy, or not, not, not a drama, but you know, not not like a yucks comedy, but like a, a, f- no, a fun, like... warm movie with a little bit of like darkness to it. Like that's but a, mo- bit, a bit more lighthearted. Yeah, that's most of his career has been that. Like I said, Boogie Nights or or Magnolia or Punch Drunk Love. Always, they they're very similar to Licorice Pizza, but then I read somewhere that he kind of wanted to reinvent himself for like try a new style with this movie and he has a few movies that really follow this very very like dark sense of 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 filmmaking almost um and i just want to ask like uh of course you knew it was the same guy making it but yeah but how I'd... did it feel to go from licorice pizza to this and like this is the same guy 10 years I, no it didn't feel it didn't feel like it could be the same guy really yeah cuz at the first like I I know where there will be blood was I I've, I've heard of it I've seen trailers and stuff yeah so I I just I just bunched that together with like <clears throat> with yeah with darker like uh, mobster movies or or uh, what's the other one I don't I think that's also about oil but it's uh, with um, some other dude whatever old no country for old men uh, yeah. <laughs> It's funny you would say that. Haven't seen that actually, to yeah. be honest. No, no, but yeah, there's a similar style. Um, yeah, that's more of a crime movie. Yeah, funny because they were filming, both were filming in the same like area of Texas. Oh. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> that's why they match in, in style. <laughs> yeah. Or vibe, I suppose. Yeah. But like, it feels like this this dark, moody guy who would only do dark and, and dreary and, and like horrible things, basically. Yeah. That's kind of funny. No, then you have that's a, a Coen Brothers pizza. movie. Yeah, because uh, uh, No, no Country for Old Men is a Coen Brothers movie. And they're also, in the beginning, and still to this day, I guess, more known for their comedies. I mean, they made The Big Lebowski. Oh, that's right. <laughs> they made, uh, they made. I don't know if you've seen The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Netflix movie they made a few years ago. No. Um, 
there's there's something there's quite, to that. There's like, quite a contrast, definitely. Yeah, and it's the same thing with Paul Thomas Anderson. Like, he can make a movie like Licorice Pizza, but he can also make a movie like There Will Be Blood. Um... And like you said, like it's almost like two different people, but there are little little things like there the long the, takes. Yeah, there the, are details are certainly very samey. <laughs> yeah, so you can you can recognize it even though they're so different. But yeah, if not at like a first glance, then they're completely no, no, no. different. But like like when you discuss it, like the long takes, specifically like the cho- choice of actors. Like yes, uh, once they're again, distinct like, somehow. Exactly, like they're why he holds so long on takes and on faces, specifically in *There Will Be Blood*. Like he needs a face, you know, that sticks out. You know, that, that works. Yeah, it's not. It's not the. It's not the classic Hollywood look. No, yeah, not exactly. saying that they're ugly. They're just no, distinct no, but, somehow. Yes. They have unique faces compared to. All the Chris's in Hollywood. They <laughs> yes, all look exactly. the same, more or less. All the, all the, like, all the guys, you know, the guys. Yeah. yeah you, 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 I, if you want to say- mention, like, an a Hollywood dude, just say someone named Chris. Yeah, tell him. And you don't need to know which one that is. You no, just like, just... okay, yeah, sure. It looks like that, sort of. Is it Pine? But- Pratt? Hemsley? Yes, Sam Ambar. Yeah. Just- you just say, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of the Chris's. Yeah. But no, he chooses he chooses distinct people who have a, a different face, a face you can actually remember as that character, not as the actor. Also, yeah, and and also like on the if you flip that over, I he, I I don't think he would ever pick someone like like oh yeah you you were great for, you were you your read for this scene was great, but you don't really have the looks. Like I, I'd say he'd rather cast. A quote-unquote ugly person, as long yeah. as they're good, you know, which is more important. Yeah, as long as they embody the character somehow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like like in Licorice Pizza, when they say that Alana is, you know, you are Rainbow. It's like I've been hanging out with Rainbow. Yeah. Yes, because you were hanging out with Alana. Yeah. Kane, not yes. Haim, ha- but Kane. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, And really, really, like... Uh, uh, like have, have like reverence for the both characters and the actors portraying the characters. Yeah. Like not just having them be. Um, s- some great directors just use their actors like pawns, and it works for them. Like Hitchcock did that, and, and yes. Kubrick did that. But their movies are very different. Like here, you need to treat them. You know, you need to have respect for both the characters and the actors. You need a, to give the actor. Way. Yeah. a way to be the character. You can't yes. just tell yes. them to be the You need to give it, them the opportunity to be the character. And it's so evident in, in two very different movies, Licorice Pizza and There Will Be Blood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, mean, I can, I, can, I can appreciate that it's ten years in between them, so it's sure, your, your style might have changed a bit. Your mood, I suppose, definitely yeah. must have changed. <laughs> sure, yeah. But, um... <clears throat> I, I can't really imagine... I haven't seen, like, the ones he did just before Licorice Pizza either, obviously, since I haven't seen any of them. Yeah. But Obsession doesn't sound like something like Licorice Pizza. Which one? Obsession. No, wait. Maybe he Obsession. just uh, produced that one. Sorry. Yeah, I don't think he did that one. Obsession. What the one I had before that? He did... Um, uh, Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread, yeah. That feels more of the... Towards the darker oh yes side that a is, little bit that is definitely more like there will be blood but then a movie like um uh a movie like uh, uh inherent vice is much more like 
uh, Licorice Pizza. Right. I mean, they're both literally 70s movies, you know. Yeah. Um, they have the same colors so he, and, and style, I suppose. Yeah, and that's 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 what I mean. Like, he has these, these two kind of, like, different styles. And sometimes they overlap a little bit. Like, The Master is also much more like... Uh, that isn't... So, it is dark, but not on the same level. But it's very, you know, it's it's serious. It's very dark and stoic. There's there's not the you know cool cool characters like in um, uh, Licorice Pizza. Inherent vice of Licorice Pizza. Yeah, exactly. Except for like a couple, and there are scenes that are definitely funny in that movie, which is why that might still be my. We should do the master at some point. I didn't pick the master because if you want to take a movie that's even harder to like. Figure out at the first watch. <laughs> Whew, it's the master. Well, he, I mean, he's got that one still. So far, both movies I've seen from from PTA is definitely hard to figure out on the first watch. You kind of get it towards the end. You're like, ah, yeah, okay. But, you're wrapping but, it up very well. Yeah. But while watching it, you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. But then give this a rewatch in like a year or something. <laughs> oh yeah. my god! Because like I said, this was the first time we watched it in a long time, and wow. <laughs>